Hello, welcome back to the Off the Woodwork podcast. Um, I'm joined by Stephen Hall and Anthony Milne, as always. Um, well, hopefully, as always, anyway, it's only the second episode. But yeah, as if things go the way it should be, then yeah, that'll be sweet. Um, so obviously, um, this is a podcast where we're going to be talking about football, uh, predominantly the Premier League. Um, and we've just had the first week back of fixtures since the uh, lockdown came into place. And I think it's safe to say that I was right. It was a fairly slow start, wasn't it? Would you guys agree? For the most part, yeah. I mean, there are some good yeah, high-scoring yeah. games, but... Yeah, almost yeah. every single game had a pretty dull first half. You know, it was... Wasn't exactly the exciting I, start we'd hoped for. I can't remember my predictions off the top of my head, but I, f- I think I'm in the lead, am I? Um, I, I have, I have a little right feeling. here. So yeah. one thing we forgot to mention was with our predictions, we're keeping a scoring system. If you get the right end result, like who won, you get a point. If you get the right scoreline, you get three. And if you get it wrong, obviously zero points. But currently, um, in third place is me, Anthony, with five hey. points. And then tied for first place is Stephen and Matt. Oh, tied. Eight. Oh, oh! I didn't. Oh, it's because you've got the Brighton score, didn't you? You, you had Brighton to no, beat I didn't. Arsenal, didn't you? I, no, I was. No, I had, I had that as nil, uh, nil, nil. I got the West Ham Wolves. Oh, right. I said two 0 to Wolves, and it was two 0 So I got that right. Yeah, uh, Stephen got the most scorelines right. right. Um, I, did I get the Chelsea got, one right? Um, I believe you did. Yes, Lovely. and you got the Man City Arsenal it. game right. Yes, it's three one for that. Uh, so close. Ah, so yes, I would have. I, I would have got three. I should have got three points for the Sheffield Aston Villa game because I predicted one 0 to Sheffield, and it should have been. Oh, that segue so, uh, into that then. Okay. Yeah, nice segue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one was it? Sorry, the Sheffield Villa. Did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sheffield Villa. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. The Anthony would have got the Sheffield Villa score right if the technology was working. As we found out, the technology wasn't working. Um, Sheffield United scored a goal which seemed pretty reasonable the Villa players I mean pushed his own keeper into the net uh, but the goal wasn't given as the technology um, the, the watch that was on uh, Michael Oliver's wrist didn't go off um, and it caused a bit of a, uh, bit of a bit of a madness I suppose what did you make of it Stephen? Um, I think you know if you've got the goal and technology, you've got to make sure it works. I mean, it was clearly over the line. I mean, everybody could see it. I mean, on the replay, it was clearly... I mean, the ball was touching yeah, the was net in the guy's hands. So you've got to ask that. Why didn't they go to VAR? Like, why didn't VAR step in and check if it was a goal or not? I mean, if Hawkeye goes wrong, why not do the other technology? Um, you know, people have yeah. been uh, complaining that VAR has been too involved. But in this case, it was you know, the complete opposite. Like, where was VAR in yeah. this? Why didn't VAR check it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of kick-started a uh, pretty abysmal first couple of fixtures for Sheffield in general. What did you think, Ant? It's, it's an interesting one because it's very clearly over the line and you have to assume that people would be able to tell. But I was reading um, the official statement from the Premier League and apparently after like 9,000 games or something with this technology being used, this is the first, the first time one. ever that it's yeah. been incorrect. And apparently it was something about all the cameras being obstructed by all the players around the situation. <laughs> Yes. I mean, if, if, it was... if people watching at home can clearly see it's over the line, surely there will have been someone somewhere that yeah, um, rolled it a goal. I mean, my, yeah, I mean, my argument is, yeah, I, I, it is the first time there has been a major incident to do with that technology in a football game. Um, 
it's just it, it, it seems crazy to me that the VAR didn't pick it up because every single camera was blocked because you could see clearly from the camera that we were watching it on that it was like over the line. He was literally carrying. He was he was literally cradling the ball in the <laughs> just behind the post in the net. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a bad start. Um, okay, so moving on from the Sheffield Villa game. Anyway, um, let's go on to the Man United Spurs game because. Um, <laughs> I think the funniest thing that came out of the Man United Spurs game was um, Roy Keane <laughs> and uh, oh. how much he was losing his head at half-time after Man United gave away that first goal. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. That was a shambles. Imagine you're paying David De Gea. He's, what, the highest-paid player in the Premier League? Maybe, I don't know if he is, but he, yeah, he's one of them. And you've got Harry Maguire, the world's most expensive defender. Yeah. And honestly, what was that? Like... David De Gea, for me, was one of the best goalkeepers of the decade. But if you're showing some new fan who's not seen any clips of David De Gea, show, show him this season to someone. And you tell them that he's one of the best keepers of the past decade, they'll think you're on something. Yeah, I mean, ever since it, the it World reminds... Cup, David De Gea has just not been the same player, has he? Yeah, I mean, what it does, it reminds me of when he actually first came to United. And um, his first season and a half was actually really quite dodgy. And people don't seem to remember that. He actually made a lot of mistakes in that season as well. Since then, he's, he's been great, obviously. Um, but yeah, again, for the last year, he's just been a complete bang average. And I, I think I, I think most United fans at the moment would probably agree that they'd rather have Dean Henderson in goal. Would, would yeah. you say that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is past it, I think, really. I don't know. I just don't think old, he's the same to here. Now? He's got to be um, about 30, right? I'll just get check for you, boys. Um, That's all right. I've got up already. 29. <laughs> so he's um, so well in his yeah. prime for a goalkeeper. I mean, so, uh, for a goalkeeper, you should be going for another 10 years. So I'd say if, it, if that is his decline, it's pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, oh, it'll be interesting to see if they try and kick him out and bring in Dean Henderson. Because I think there'll be a lot of more um, interest in Dean Henderson come next season as well, won't there? Well, I know Solskjaer has, has said Henderson will be United's number one at some point. I just don't know whether they're going to send him out on loan again next season. But at this point, what have you got to lose? I mean, David De Gea's on a stupid amount of wage. If you ship him off and you put Dean Henderson in goal, you've got a young keeper who's, been, who's just going to improve on much less wage. And then you can you know, tie up some of the other players you want to keep in better contracts. Yeah, I, I think before the Newcastle game the other day, Sheffield have only, had only uh, conceded 25 goals this season. So... Dean Henderson's been, I think, probably the second best keeper in the league this year behind Allison. I'd say um, he's been best due to how much Allison has missed with injuries. Um, yeah, I think I, I think Allison in the short in the times we've seen him has been incredible. But when you're thinking about consistency over a season, yeah, Adrian Adrian came in for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, and he wasn't bad. But Dean Henderson to me has been the best keeper in the league this season. Mm. Well, how did you think Man United played? Oh, it was right. a mixture. It was um, there was a lot of positives, but once again, it's almost same old United. I think, I think Pogba immediately impacted the game when he came on. He looked a lot in mm. Pogba we're supposed to be seeing. Yes, um, he did actually. I, I did notice that he did play much better when he came on. Um, the pass he hit to Rashford, I think it was after the first goal, and um, when United were looking for the second. Oh, it was a thing of beauty. Um, I was getting concerned at the end because it, it was because United had had a penalty given, which VAR rightly um, made the decision to change it. 
And then it was about the 96th minute and play was still going and it was looking like United might score. And I was getting concerned. I was like, why hasn't he blown the whistle yet? But uh, no, I'd say a draw for that game was pretty fair. Yeah, I think it was a tale of two halves. I think Spurs were the better team in the first half. I think United were the better team in the second half. Um, Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, the two other games that I watched pretty much in full were um, Brentford versus Fulham, which I know you've been watching, Stephen. Yeah, I watched that game. (laughs) That was a good result. And uh, the other one, which I was really impressed by, probably the best team performance I've seen this weekend, was the Wolves-West Ham game. And I thought Wolves played really well. And um, did, did you guys catch the game? I'll start with you, Steve. Yeah. I, sorry. Oh, no, no. You I didn't actually watch the game in full. I did see highlights of it, though. And, um, yeah, I mean, just Wolves just looked absolutely outclassed West Ham. But West Ham did have some opportunities, I saw, in the highlights. West Ham did have some chances on goal. Um, mm. But it's just Wolves. I think they're just the better team. Like their teamwork is better. That's really it. Mm. You know. What did you think, Ken? I think it was here. just just a very well done job by Wolves. I think bringing on Triori when dead just changed the game. Wolves had been yeah. com- comfortable, even though they hadn't scored until he came on. You knew Wolves would score. I think yeah. um, you know Jimenez is an incredible striker. I think he's. If out of the big six clubs, he's probably the best striker in the league. Um, without excluding the big six, um, yeah. I think Triori is just whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, he's just such a difficulty for defenders to deal with, especially this yeah. season. See, and then, I, just... I, well, yeah, no, no, no. I, I was just going to say when, when when I was watching the game, it kind of made me clock that actually this Wolves team are a very good side and they could be competing. And Zama finally showed he has a men product too, but because it was a really good crossover to him and it's, I mean... Yeah, it was, a, it was a lovely cross and it was a lovely goal, wasn't it? And um, I, mm-hmm. I just think their whole team's very solid. Um, from Jimenez to <laughs> Traore to the likes of Den Donker and um, Matt Doherty, they're all really good footballers. Yeah, I um, think... They, um, yeah, they just play as a team. Yeah, I think the thing also is uh, Traore had a large hand in the second goal because he's the one that brought the ball yeah. forward. He got past some defenders. And oh, got it was ball. lovely. To uh, Doherty, yeah. and then just a brilliant yeah. cross, and Neto just wonderful volley. Um, mm. With your point about the best team play you saw this week, another team I'd like to throw in the mix there who've been who impressed me was Southampton, and the way they the way in the second half they just kind of were toying with Norwich was incredible. And I said yeah. Jimenez is probably the best striker when you exclude the big six in the league, but the other name had Dings. to be Danny Ings. Yeah. Yeah, sixteen goals Things this season. Kind of I believe. up where he left off. Yeah, and it was a lovely goal actually. The goal we scored, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was a thing of beauty. And then he also got the assist for the second. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I have Wolves and Southampton being the two teams I enjoyed watching the most this week. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd agree with you. Um, I watched obviously the Villa Chelsea game yesterday, and it was a pretty scrappy game in general. Um, and also the Everton Liverpool game. I'm afraid to say was absolutely dire. <laughs> yes, I was not happy. Not happy at all. Uh, just yeah. there's a couple of things, but if I go into it, we'll be here all day. So, um, so Stephen, just a yeah. quick question to you: Who who's your player of the week then? My, I'm going to front a bit of a curveball here. Probably a guy no one has ever heard of. I'm going to say Louis Sibley from Derby. Um, he's only 18. He's an attacking midfielder, and he scored a hat trick against Millwall, who were in the race for the playoffs. So and the goals he scored, they were they were good goals. Like he looked amazing in that game. So for an eighteen-year-old to get a hat trick against a, a decent team in Millwall, I think you know the Premier League clubs have got to 
keep an eye on him. I think he had a really good performance. Yeah. Um, right. uh, if, if, if I could move on, um, I, I, I've got three players in mind. Um, and this is strictly from the games that I saw. Uh, one of them was Adama Traore, and the other one was actually Emiliano from Brentford because I thought he changed the game when he came on against Fulham. He'll be my, he'll be my um, second choice. Yeah, but I'm yeah. actually going to go for, despite being unpopular choice, I'm going to go for more pay from Brighton. Um, <laughs> which is controversial considering how much Arsenal fans hate him right now but he scored the goal in the 95th minute um, and he, he, didn't, he didn't lose his head during the game I think Arsenal fans are um, wrongly accusing him of trying to win Leno on purpose which I think is not true I think, I think it was just the way Leno landed which made the whole thing which is how he got his injury and um, as someone who's watched more play, yeah, play I, just, I know he's not a dirty player at all so I don't think it was a no no and it was a nice goal he scored. And, um, yeah, I, <laughs> the, the I don't think he went into Andrew Leno. I don't think he went into Andrew Leno, but you, I think he deliberately nah. delib- delib- went in to put Leno under pressure. Because if you watch yeah. the highlights back, as all, the Arsenal fans have been doing on Twitter, Leno already has the ball before he jumps. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, picking a tie from Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> oh, God. That, that is one thing I have missed from uh, while well, the season's yeah. been off. Arsenal fan TV's back. <laughs> But oh, my player of the week, um, that I'd love to say Kevin De Bruyne, but I feel that he gets enough recognition as it is. I'm going for Danny Ings this week. I think yep, when, as a Liverpool fan, when we got 20 million for him, I was like, oh, that's we've we've robbed them. That's great. And watching the season now, I'd honestly say Southampton got a steal. You've got a striker in, with 16 goals in the Premier League for 20 million. That's you know. That's really good value for money. Um, Where would Southampton so, yeah. be without him? Relegated Excellent probably. question. Yeah, he's been the striker they've been lacking. Because um, I can't remember the last time Southampton had a striker as clinical as Danny Ings has been this season. Graziano yeah, no, Pella. He's been on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Graziano Pella. Uh, Gabby Adini, when he came in, he did all right, didn't he? Then he went back off really? and he's never seen him. He's got some he had a good spell. He had a good yeah. spell. But yeah, no, I'd say Danny Ings has definitely been the most consistent out of Southampton strikers over recent years, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, they've always had Shane Long, obviously, but Schlong's uh, not been as consistent. So that's yeah. name as well, Long. That's what I've called him now. <laughs> uh, okay, so we, we uh, touched upon it lightly, um, but we're going to move on now because um, I spoke about more baby being my player of the week, but let's uh, look at how bad his... Great impact was for the team on the other end, which is Arsenal. Um, it really just finished off their really poor start. Um, so what is going on with Arsenal at the moment, guys? <laughs> what isn't going on with Arsenal at the moment? Oh, I feel bad for it, for Arsenal fans out there. Because I just can't see it getting any better. Like I saw yeah, a tweet once, it was like, pretty... Arsenal was a social experiment to see like how long someone can support the team without offing themselves. Like, you have to have... <laughs> like a, an iron will to support Arsenal not just want to jump off your roof I mean bloody hell what a depressing team to yeah. support um, I've got a couple of stats for you guys just with Arsenal this season so in the Premier League Arsenal played 15 games away from home and they've only won twice Newcastle, they, they won away to Newcastle and won away to West Ham they've drawn eight and they've lost five I mean that sums it up don't it <laughs> Uh, for a bit more context, Arsenal lost 3-0 to Man City the other day and then they went and lost, uh, surprisingly, 2-1 to Brighton um, on Saturday. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Arsenal-Man City game first, though. Um, I think it's safe to say there's one culprit when it 
comes to uh, that game, which really stands out. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Do you want to say it at the same uh, time? No, I'm joking. Uh, but it, it's David Louis. Uh, David Louis had an absolute stinker. He came on in the 20th minute. He uh, gave away a penalty, gave away a goal, got sent off and was gone by about the 42nd, I think. <laughs> what did you make of his performance? Let's start with you, Stephen. I mean, that was uh, like an instruction manual on what not to do. I mean, it was an absolutely horrendous performance. Um, I just I think David Luiz just can't defend. I think... If you want to play David Luiz, I think his best position is uh, CDM, really. Because, uh, I mean, he's got good passing, he's got good dribbling, he can you know, take shots from range. I just don't think he's a defender. And if, he, if you do want to put him in defence, I think you need to play a five at the back. I don't think he's um, a, a centre-back you want to play in a four at the back formation. I just don't think he's good enough for, uh, to yeah, be one I mean, two centre-backs. Like, from my perspective, he is the most successful player in probably Chelsea's history because he's won three European trophies with us. Um, but at the same time, he is, if you look up the word liability in the dictionary, um, <laughs> David Luiz should be covered up in it, in it to be honest, um, because he has been throughout his whole career. He can have really good spells. He can do really good things, but he's got a mistake in him every game. And I think... There's no doubt that David Luiz is a talented guys. player. He's just so yeah. inconsistent and his defensive qualities are just questionable a lot of the time. Uh, Did you see after the game, um, he, he went to do an interview to, <laughs> to basically say it was his fault. Yeah, it was yeah, very weird. <laughs> it was really weird. What did you make of it, Ed? Um, I agree with Stephen that uh, David Luiz's uh, natural position isn't centre-back, but I disagree about it being CDM. I think his natural position is on the bench, and I think he should just stay there. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> um, I think, yeah, David Luiz was the main culprit uh, against Man City, but you have to look at the team as a whole. Injuries, players going down, having to be stretched off. The one rare spot was uh, Leno, who, to be honest, it could have been 6 0 if it wasn't for him. Mm. Um, and then now he's probably out for the rest of the season and could be longer. We don't know. But well, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> I just, I don't get some of the selection choices. Like, I don't get like Martinelli didn't show up at all in both this, games. This is what Lacazette I was about to say. In the City game, it's yeah. This is what I was about to say. I, I, I looked at the two lineups, and when I, when I saw the lineup for the um, City Arsenal game, I was like, what the hell is this Arsenal side? And then we looked at the one against Brighton, and the one against Brighton was much stronger than the one they had out against Man City. It was really weird. And neither of them um, had Martinelli playing. And um, when, when Arsenal drew with Chelsea 2 all back in the bridge, um, Martinelli was their best player. <laughs> so was, I was very surprised by their team selection, to be honest. So when you look at the Arsenal side against Man City, which of those Arsenal players were getting the Man City starting eleven? Maybe Aubameyang? No. But no, I even, that, I, based on that game, based on that game, I wouldn't even see Aubameyang. Would I, I, I mean, I obviously, think, I think Aubameyang's head's gone. I think he's already on the beach, looking forward to his next club. I yeah. can't really blame him. <laughs> I think you just have to look at the stats. Arsenal had what was it, two shots or something? It's you know embarrassing. Like you've got a team that's supposed to be one of the best teams in England. Yeah, and the right now the this teams in the bottom half of the table that are playing far better than them. I, yeah, I kind of knew Arsenal would be rocky when the, the season came back because it's couldn't be in the track record. They're always rocky at, at the start. Yeah. And 
they just proved me right. And it sucks because Arsenal, when I was a kid, were such a great side. And they've just, they've fallen so far. I, 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 I predicted them to finish ninth in the Premier League table on my article, which you can find on the website. Um, <laughs> but I actually think now, looking at it, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished even lower than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look I mean, at the team Sheffield yeah. United Wolves who are playing so much better than them. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. And the thing is, you've got, at the moment, you've got Palace and Burnley, two teams with not much to play for at the moment. Um, but sometimes when teams don't have anything to play for, that makes them just uh, pick up their game. And as you could see through the Palace win the other day against she- um, against um, Sheffield. Wait, was it Sheffield? Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Bournemouth, even. Yeah, Bournemouth. Um, so, yeah. It's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how well they do. So, what, uh, what, what? what is responsible for this Arsenal? What is responsible for Arsenal just falling so far from grace? What would you say it is? There's one. I there's, think it's there's, there's coming one, for years. There's one person you have to look at. Well, you have to look at uh, Stan Kroenke and the owners. Like... They've changed manager. Okay, so Arsenal fans wanted Wenger gone because it wasn't working. He had to go. He's went. They've had two managers in since then, and it hasn't improved. They've had different players in. They've had you know lots of different things done, and it hasn't worked. So you have to look at where, where do you look next? You have to look at the ownership. Look at teams like United who are struggling now, and you look at their ownership. Whereas you look at teams like Liverpool, whose owners have been very smart, and they've they, they when they took over Liverpool were in a similar position and have come have come on leaps and bounds due to it. But yeah, so you have to look at the ownership, in my opinion. Yeah, but, I mean, I I think it's the ownership. But to be honest, I I think this has been coming ever since two thousand and five. <laughs> um, I, I like I said, the majority of our lives, Arsenal have not been a top team. They have really every season been <laughs> the laughing stock of the of the uh, sort of top teams. Let's say. Um, and I think one problem that I personally think is that they sacked Wenger too late. I think they should have sacked Wenger around or got rid of, I mean, they wouldn't have sacked Wenger. They, they, they would have tried to just push him upstairs or push him on somewhere else. Um, and I think they should have done that around 2010. Um, and I think they could have avoided all this if they tried to get a team together earlier under a new manager. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I think anyway. I think, I, th- I think it's just complete, um, let's say, Complacency. Also, you've got, you've got to look at the signings they've made. I mean, recently, all, all most of Arsenal's signings have been players who are either just about to go out of their prime or are past it. I mean, you look at Aubameyang, who's like in his thirties now. Socrates, who's you know past his prime. David Luiz is way past his prime. Um, and then, you know, when they need defender, they need a solid defender. What do they do? They spend seventy-two million pounds on a winger. Like, yeah. what are Arsenal doing in their signing uh, policy? And whenever I mean, Arsenal do right get a good player, whenever they do get a player who's playing well, they get sold. Sanchez, Van Persie. Yes, yeah. arguably. <laughs> well, th- those, are pl- those are players that are doing better than the rest of the Arsenal team. They get fed yeah. up and they go. I mean, you have to have a look at, like you say, Stephen, the signing policy. I think Nicolas Pepe, while he's be- had glimpses, if you, for 72 million, you got you got to be wondering what he needs to be doing more. It's I don't know what big, what signing has been more disappointing for the considering the value of it's in Dombele at Tottenham or Pepe at Arsenal. Kepa. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, Kepa. Probably. If you're, if you're watching this, I apologise. 
um, yeah, I mean, I, like they signed Kieran Tierney, who, you know, being Scottish myself, I think he's a great player. But we'll have to see how he does at Arsenal, um, especially because he spent most of the season injured. And mm. they've got some good young players. Like you say, you have Martinelli, you have Saka, you have um, Gondosi. You've got, and they, they fixed the problem with the goalkeeper. They brought in Leno, who yeah. is a very solid keeper. I think he's, what, third choice for Germany? I might be wrong there. It might have changed, but um, yeah. he's Probably. one of the top German keepers. And when your competition is Neuer and Ter Stegen, that's a pretty big compliment. Um, yeah, but the problem is Arsenal signed someone like that. It's one step forward, two steps back because you can just see Obama Young leaving at the end of the season. You can see someone else. If Martinelli picks up form, someone else will probably go in for him at some stage. Yeah. Um, so, so they're kind of in this never-ending cycle. I think that Arsenal will not be back to what they once were or get back to being a contending team until they have a new owner, until they have a change in ownership. I agree. I, yeah. I, I think Arteta's taken on too much too much too early in his career I don't think it'll be his fault if things don't go well I think yeah. you need an owner that's willing to put money into the club and not tr- and you know someone who actually wants their team to win doesn't look at it as like obviously the finances are important but at the end of the day why do you own a sports team to make money and to win yeah. and Arsenal aren't winning no they're far from it <laughs> I think yeah, they've got to kind yeah. of take Liverpool's example there of a team that was on the decline but now is on the up and up. Like they need to make smarter transfers, um, give you know those transfers time to develop instead of just trying yeah. to bring in the big names who are you know past it. So realistically, um, Arsenal do, will still have some money and they will still be using money to sign some players. Who do you think they would get in? Who do you think would they realistically be signing? Who they should be or who we think they will. Um, both. I think they need a proper centre back, like Upamecano from Leipzig or um, Manolas. I can't even remember what side he's at now. He's at Napoli now. now. Yeah, I think either of those two. I think Manolas is a very good centre back. He'll be a bit cheaper than he probably should be, and I think Upamecano (laughs) is a strong young centre back. I think that's there's been talk of going in for Thomas Partey. Athletic yeah, he's, but, been, he's been linked to them a lot. But the thing is, you say all these players, but why would they back. want to join Arsenal when they might not even get Europa League this season? That's, why would Ivan Meccano want to go from the Champions League to no Europe at all? Yeah, no, I, think no, a, exactly. I think that even applies more to Thomas Partey because while Leipzig have, have become a very good side, Atletico Madrid are one of the best sides in Europe. They knocked out Liverpool in the Champions League. They are the third best team in Spain, usually. And yeah. like I say, when your competition is Real and Real Madrid and Barcelona, again, that's not a detriment to them being third. That's a compliment considering they're managing to try and keep up with those teams. But yeah, Arsenal have to be really smart about their signings. There's a couple of players in the Premier League they can maybe try and take from some of the lower Yeah, uh, they they can look at lower teams like Norwich who might get down their best players, people like Cantwell, people like Max Aarons maybe. I, I was thinking, I reckon they might even go in for someone like Thiago Silva. Since Thiago Silva's leaving PSG, um, that it just doesn't be... fix the problem, though. It doesn't, but that I just, just adds to their aging players <laughs> who are big names yeah. problem. Like, yeah, they're just I, continuing I their bad policy. If that's the case, but I, could, I could see it happening. <laughs> that, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I can see it. It's a kind of exciting Arsenal would make. You know, no transfer fee. Yeah, you could probably get them on like 
more wages than he probably should be on, but maybe not as much as they like as some other players. So they'll look at it and go, yeah, that's a win. But they need to prioritise players where you've got a high ceiling, a young age to start with, and they can improve. And they did that in... Who was the centre-back they signed in the summer? But they loaned him out straight away. So Yeah, but he's a young centre-back that if they if they utilize him properly, he's a fair he'll he could be a very good like purchase for them. But it all depends mm. on how they utilize him. Same with Kieran Tierney. You know, I have Kieran Kieran Tierney is the second best player in the Scotland team right now. And he gets played at yeah. centre back. I mean Justin Robinson, but, <laughs> Yeah. But Tierney, Tierney's not a, is a very good left back. It's just mm. Arsenal have a history of those sign players and they just seem to play worse than Arsenal. And at least that's one thing. I've seen like Shaka was this big this player that a couple of clubs were apparently going in for. And Arsenal I, now he's become a joke. I just I don't think there's a good atmosphere um probably in the Arsenal train uh, dressing room. Um yeah. I, yeah. I, I I could I could see Ozil probably ruffling a few feathers. Um, oh, Ozil's gotta yeah. go. He is pants. He is absolute. He, he, uh, it could be harsh, but I think he's one of the most overrated footballers of the 100%. last 15 years, I'd say. I mean, like, after uh, that, you know, as someone who's um, who sports Germany in such level, like, watching him in the World Cup, it was depressing. It was, it was just an embarrassment to watch him play in that Germany team. He was horrendous. Like, yeah, if I was the Germany coach, the I would have just though. never picked him again after that. It was a joke. He wasn't, yeah. he, he wasn't the only player for Germany that was a shambles. That I Thomas Miller as well. Bloody hell, he was terrible. But Boateng. Ozil was the standout. <laughs> um, what a tough that was. <laughs> My, I have a question for you guys as well when it comes to Arsenal. Um, with, with Arteta, do you think he'll be able to turn it around at all? Get him back to you know finishing fifth, maybe? Or do you think he'll be gone by the end of next season? Depends uh, on how the ownership supports him. If the ownership will give him the signings he needs, then yeah, he could succeed. But I doubt that they will. Because they're also with Stan Kroenke. I don't think he will. Yeah. I don't think he's going to succeed in the next year. Um, I don't think they're going to sack him in the next year. Um, go and buy previous experience with Arsene Wenger because they left it about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve years too long to sack him. <laughs> oh, it's quietly moving along anyway. Um, so I, I can't see them sacking Arteta straight away because I don't think Arsenal are going to turn into that kind of club where they just bring in managers in and out, in and out. Um, they got rid of Emery quite quickly, though, compared yeah, to... Yeah, Emery, Emery was... He'd been there, what, two years? I, don't, I, th- I think this was his second season and he didn't even make it all the way through it. Yeah. Um, so he I only think, did one full season. But I, th- I think Emery had completely lost the dressing room. Um, Arguably, maybe Arteta's not doing great with them, but I still think Arteta will be given more time. Um, if anything, because I, he was Guardiola's assistant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think Arsenal have seen what Chelsea and United have done when they've brought back former players who are younger managers, maybe not as much experience, but you know they've got a new kind of idea about what to do, try a few different things. I think maybe Arsenal are hoping Arteta can do a similar thing with what Lampard's managed to do at Chelsea. Yeah, but I suppose, obviously, Lampard's probably, at the moment, um, a bit more lucky than Arteta because he's got an owner oh, who yeah. seems, to be, seems to be more interested. Um, so, yeah, but no, it will, it will be interesting, to, to say the least, to see what happens to Arsenal over the end rest of this season and um, 
moving on into next as well. Just one last, just one last thing I wanted to actually ask. Just, just a random question to throw out. But when Definitely. you talked about Ozil being one of the most overrated players, who else in the Premier League? If you had to make a top three most overrated players in the league, who are the first names that come to mind for you? David Dyer. Um, yeah. Uh, Ozil's always top of my list. Um, Paul Pogba's up there as well for me on the basis I just don't think he's actually done anything. I don't think he's overrated. I just think he's in a bad team. I don't yeah. think he's, Pogba I don't plays France, he's amazing. I think it's he doesn't want to be in that team. He doesn't, he's not interested. I don't think yep. it's the team around him's like bad. I think it's his attitudes. He's just soured so much there. Like, as you see, they played without him this season and they've still got a chance at Champions League football. And, mm. you know, so I don't think it's just his, I think it's just his attitude is the problem. But yeah. I, I think, I think David De Gea is definitely in that list now, which is a shame. Because he was the best keeper in the league for such a long time. Uh, the only I other don't... player that comes to my mind is Wilfred Zaha. Um, he's the only other player that comes to my mind, to be honest. I don't think he's had as good as the season as people are making out. Um, he's, just, yeah. he's just like a, a diamond in a pile of shit, really, isn't he? Like... Yeah, I, th- I think he's a bit one-dimensional as well. I think yeah. if, I was a def- if I was a defender, I think I'd clock on quite, quite easily to what's, what his game plan is going to be. It's just going to be running at them, trying to cut in. Um, then yeah. falling over, moaning at the referee, and that's kind of what he does a lot. <laughs> there's a there's a player that I've found very annoying to watch this season. Almost like not overrated just yet, but he needs to shape up. And that's uh, Bobby Firmino at Liverpool. I've looked at him really? this season, watching every game, and I've just compared to previous seasons. I found him. I've just I've been really underwhelmed. You know. Yeah, he's not an out-and-out striker, but his he scored what two goals at Anfield this season. Like, and that's it. I don't. Even, I think it's only one. He scored yeah. eight goals away. Yeah, but but he, compared to last season, the season before, I don't think he's been at the same level. And it's I love I love Bobby. I I don't. I'm not saying I'll oh, get rid of him. I I want him to stay. I want him to stay forever. But I want to see a little more from him because I think. Right out in the front three that Liverpool are famous for having, he's been the worst this season. I could be talking yeah. bollocks. So if someone, no, if someone no. wants to, I mean, you're a Liverpool fan here, you know. So you watch it more than I do, mate. Um, <laughs> I've always quite rated Firmino, but I can see your point. To be fair, his, his stats haven't been as eye opening this season, have they? Compared to no. uh, Mark. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can see that definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not in the place to judge because I, I can't say I've been watching him. With my eyes peeled the entire season. So yeah, we're going for. So who are we go for? We go for Mesut Ozil. We're going for David De Gea and Bobby Firmino. <laughs> so, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a lot. Of yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, I've put. I've, I've put words you know, into you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I, I, I never said. I, I never. I never said he was um, overrated. I said he's been <laughs> underperforming. <laughs> we also said Pogba. We also said Pogba. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move. Let's move on to our final bit then today, and then we'll move on to the um, upcoming bits of fixtures and our predictions for them. Obviously, me and Stephen are currently tying. Ants trailing behind um, because he knows nothing. Um, so we'll start off with the first game, <laughs> <laughs> um, which uh, by the time this podcast is out, I'm assuming it's already going to have taken place, isn't it? Yes. So Man City versus Burnley. Um, I'll start off. I think Man City are going to destroy Burnley. I'm going to go 4-0. Stephen? 
I don't think it's going to be easy for Man City. I think in the past they've struggled uh, to score against Burnley, so I'm going to go for a 1 0 to Man City. 1 0. Anthony? I'm going to go for 2 0. I think Man City won comfortably, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout win on the scoreline. Fair news. Um, we'll move on to Leicester versus Brighton. Stephen, do you want to go first? Um, I think Brighton have a chance in this game. I think you know, they might be confident after their win against Arsenal. So I'm going to go for a 1 0 in that game. Yeah, Anthony. Um, I think Leicester will be frustrated with their uh, draw to Watford, so I'm going for two 0 once again to uh, Leicester. Yeah, uh, this is a really tough one because obviously Brighton are coming off with a bit of a uh, bit of steam after beating Arsenal, and they um, seem to be well up for the fight in the relegation battle. Um, again, Leicester haven't had a great start, although obviously um, Chilwell scored an absolutely lovely goal the other day. I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna go for two-one Leicester. I just think because Leicester at home, I, I have a feeling they might bounce back. Um, moving on, we've got Tottenham versus West Ham in the London derby. Anthony, this one, see, the way West Ham are playing, I can't see them winning this game. But Spurs haven't been as strong at the back. They haven't been strong this season. But Kane's back, so I'm gonna go two-one to Tottenham. Yep, um, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I, I, watching the Spurs United game, I don't think Spurs played particularly well. I thought Harry Kane really did not play well. I thought he was one of Spurs' worst players. Um, but at the same time, West Ham are in an even worse position at the moment. I know I keep saying it, but I really do not have high hopes for West Ham's chances at getting out of the relegation battle. Um, so I'm going for a proper Mourinho score. Um, I'm going vintage Mourinho and I'm going to go 1 0 Tottenham. Stephen? Yeah, I think both of these teams are in a bit of a slump at the moment, but. I don't know. I just don't think West Ham are up to it. I'm going to say 2-0 to Tottenham. I just, yeah, yeah, I don't see West Ham winning this one. Yeah. Um, Norwich versus Everton. This could be interesting um, because obviously Everton have played better since Ancelotti's been there. And Norwich, um, obviously, the other day got absolutely obliterated by Southampton. Well, not obliterated, but they didn't, they didn't play great for a team who were supposed to be fighting for relegation. Uh, but I, I think Norwich have pretty much given up. I think they've they've they think they're going down. So I'm going to go for two 0 Everton. Um, I think Everton were unlucky not to walk away with the three points yesterday at Goodison. I think yeah. they'll be frustrated by that and will go out to win. And I think with the way Calvert Lewin and McCarlson have been playing under Ancelotti, I think you're right. I'm also going to go for two 0 to Everton. Yeah, I think I think Norwich have just given up at this point, haven't they? I just. I don't see it. What's the point of trying? I think they're already down. So I'm going to say 3-1 to Everton. Moving on. Wolves versus Bournemouth. Stephen, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I just... Uh, I mean, Bournemouth, they've got to have a go. But I predicted them to have an upset against Palace and they disappointed me. So I'm going to say 3-0 uh, to Wolves. I'm not happy with Bournemouth. <laughs> Fair enough. And... Um, I think Wolves have got too much class to... Uh, drop points to Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth are in a really weird spot right now where they should be fighting, but they didn't impress me against Palace. I think it's going to be 3 1 to Wolves. Yeah, this is a toughie for me as well because Bournemouth really need to win now. Um, and Wolves this season, they've done great against the top teams, but they've always sometimes slipped up against the lower teams. Um, so I'm going to go for, I'm going to, I'm going to be different and I'm going to go for this to be. I'm going to go for two all. Um, yeah, because I, I, I think, I think, yeah, Wolves, 
I, I just think Bournemouth really need to win, and and I think I, I think I mean Bournemouth really need to win. Did I say Bournemouth? There's a point. Yeah, there's a point yeah. you're forgetting as well, though. Bournemouth need to win to stay up, but if Wolves want to continue to keep pressure on Chelsea and fight for that Champions League spot, they also need to win. Yeah, it's they're true, now, what, but five points behind Chelsea. True. I just yeah no yeah they are, but um, also I feel like Wolves. We'll pick up points against some of the bigger teams. <laughs> uh, I just think that's the way the season's been. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay to my word. I'm gonna stick with two all. Um, next up, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. This could be a quite tough to predict as well. Ant, do you want to start us off? Oh, I see Villa to me. Considering they had two hard opponents this week, I think they did all right. Yes, they lost to Chelsea, but they were leading for a point, and they managed to get a draw against Sheffield and to be honest besides the incident Filler had quite a few good chances but then Newcastle also surprised us I'm going to go for one all in this fixture hmm. oh, this is a toughie for me as well I think it depends if St. Maximin turns up for Newcastle um, but I, I, I yeah I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be boring and I'm going to go for one all Probably yeah, not. I mean, both of Aston Villa's yeah. games haven't been like massive scorelines. And um, I think Newcastle kind of got lucky in their game against Sheffield. I think they're sending off really helped them. So I'm going to go for a nil-nil here. Um, just speaking about Villa quickly, did you see the interesting stat Jack Grealish broke against Chelsea? I didn't. Was it smallest pair of shin pads ever worn? <laughs> no, it was the fact that in one season, um, for... Jack Grealish has become the most fouled player in a season in the Premier League ever. There's still nine games left. <laughs> Who did he take <laughs> over from? Aiden Hazard. <laughs> I honestly don't know. But I think it's fair to say that when majority of your um, play does go for the one player, he is going to be fouled quite a bit. Yep. Aiden that's Hazard. how you start Villa. Um, <laughs> Just yeah. hack Jack Grealish to bits. That's how you start Villa. Next one looks pretty tough. Um, I can't really see where it's going, actually. Man United versus Sheffield United. Stephen, what do you reckon? Yeah, this is a really tough one. I have no idea how this is going to pan out. Um, obviously, Sheffield, they got, you know, unlucky in their last game. They got a guy sent off. But I don't know. I think this is going to be uh, one all. I'm going to say one all. I'm going to cop out a bit here and go be boring and say one all. Anthony? I'm going to go to Ante United for a similar reason with Wolves. I think they need to keep the pressure on Chelsea. Uh, you've had Pogba come back and he's been quite good. You've got Fernandez and they've worked well together. And you have Marcus Rashford back, the working class hero. So I think, <laughs> yeah. I think it's 2 1 to United. Yeah, do you know what? Um, you've taken the words out of my lips, actually. Um, I've, I think Sheff- Sheffield's form, obviously, hasn't been great. Um, and I think. This will be Pogba's first start back. Um, and like I said, he, he played quite well when he came on against Tottenham. So I'm going to go 2-1 to United as well. Man United, that is, if they try to cut me out at them points. Uh, <laughs> um, Liverpool versus Palace. Um, I, I'll start this. Um, even though Palace did a very good result the other day, Liverpool are going to have a fire in their belly. So I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool. Stephen? Um, yeah, I think um, Rob Hodgson's got this Palace side uh, fairly solid defensively, but I just don't think they've got it what it takes attacking-wise. So I'm going to say 2-0 to Liverpool. I don't think it's going to be a massive scoreline, but I do think Liverpool are going to win. 
I kind of look a bit silly for my last prediction where I thought Liverpool would be Everton 3 0. Um, but mm. this is at Anfield. Liverpool haven't lost in the Premier League at Anfield since April 2017. Um, I think in the last team they actually lost to there was Palace, funnily enough. But yeah. I think this two game will be 2 0 to Liverpool. I think Klopp's got to make a statement considering the way they were before lockdown went into place and they've come back. They didn't look great against Everton. 2-0 and hopefully they actually get the result I'm wanting. This one should be funny. Southampton versus Arsenal. Danny Ings versus whatever Arsenal have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you start us off, what do you think? Uh, so, Southampton have been really strong uh, coming back. Danny Ings has been great. Arsenal will be without Leno and the defence is a mess. So... And also, they're away from home. We've seen their track record away from home. I'm going to go for 3-1 to Southampton. Blimey. Blimey. 3-1. Stephen? Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Arsenal fans. Like You're going through a tough time right now, and I think it's going to get worse. Um, Southampton, off the, even though it was against Norwich, let's take that into account. I think they're going to be confident. And new, uh, I think the Arsenal atmosphere is just stinking at the moment. I just think their just mentality is way off. So I'm going to go for one nil to Southampton. Yeah, um, Southampton are under a bit of fire at the moment. They could pretty much cement their stay in the Premier League if they beat Arsenal. Um, so I'm going to go for one nil Danny Ings to score. I kind of um, wish to change my um, <laughs> prediction. Like that, I, 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 I kind of think I'll stick with it now. Yeah, no, no, you, yeah. you will. Stick to I, I, predicted, I, I predicted Brighton to beat Arsenal. Neither of you two did. They did. So, I was going to, but I copped uh, out and said nil-nil. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my thoughts that um, Southampton will see this game as a game they can actually win. So they'll go for it. Interesting, though, that we're all back in Southampton to beat Arsenal. That's funny. Uh, moving on, Burnley versus Watford, nil-nil. That's it. Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to really say much more than that. Um, I'm going to go a bit more... Uh, it's going to be a bit more fun than that. I'm going to say one all. But yeah, I, this has got a draw written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah. And? I, I'm going to go for 1-0 Burnley. I think it's going to be a very dull game. I think Burnley will get the result because I think they're the better side. I think they'll lose to City, so they'll want to get a win on the board. So yeah, I'm saying 1-0 to Burnley. Chelsea, Manchester City. Stephen? Oh, Again, I think Manchester City are the favourites, but I don't think you can count Chelsea out of this. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be close. I'm going to say 2-1 to City. But I don't think... I think it's going to be a good game, but I don't think Chelsea are going to get rolled over at all. So 2-1 to City. Lovely to hear. And? I'm, I think City will win this one. I think like Laporte is back. The defence is stronger. You know, Sterling has scored finally in 2020. De Bruyne is amazing. I think it's going to be 3-1 to City, but I have a feeling one or two of those goals will be in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, Chelsea didn't play great against Villa. Uh, we didn't play great, but we got the win. Um, what changed the game was actually taking Loftus-Cheek off because he, he was absolutely did absolutely nothing that game. Um, so I think if we want to stand a chance, we need to stop Pulisic because he played very well when he came on. Um, but I don't like our chances. Saying that, I'm not going to bet against my own team. So I'm going to go for two all. Chelsea City, two all. Then we've got Aston 
Yeah, Aston Villa versus Wolves. I just I can't see Villa staying up against compared to everybody else. It's going to be between Villa, uh, Watford will be down there, Bournemouth looks like they're going to be down there. Um, but I'm going to go for Wolves to win this one. I'm going to go for 2-1 to Wolves. Yeah, I think with Wolves, they play five at the back. I think Greed is trying to break that five at the back down who are very solid. I think it's going to be a very difficult task for him. I think Wolves, as I said, are just going to get stuck into him, stop him from playing. So I say it's going to be a 1-0 to Wolves. 1-0 to Wolves. Anthony? Yeah, I think Wolves are winning this one. I think... Villa, they just aren't strong enough. I don't know if they'll be able to stay up or go down. I think we have to see how West Ham, Bournemouth and Watford are all playing. I ha- I think I'm going to go for Wolves to win this game uh, 2-0. Fair enough. And that brings us on to our last one. Um, speaking of Watford. Watford versus Southampton. So Southampton just played Arsenal. Watford would have just played Burnley. Who's going to win that? And- Oh, I don't know, because Watford need to win to stay up. They need to be winning. Yeah. But Southampton have been great recently. Yeah, it's a tough one. <sighs> Do you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go first. I reckon um, Southampton will beat Arsenal, so it only seems fair that they'll then go and lose to Watford. So I'm going to go for 2-1 to Watford. <laughs> I, was gonna I, had yeah. I had a similar thought. I had a similar thought as well. <laughs> I was going to go 1-0 yeah. to Watford. Yeah, so one as well. I think Southampton, they're going to be a bit complacent after beating Arsenal. Uh, Watford, uh, I think, are going to want this more. Um, so I'm going to say a one nil upset. Well, it's kind of an upset, but not really, but one nil to Watford. I like how we're doing it like a storyline. We're uh, kind of thinking about how Southampton are going to beat Arsenal and then, then that's going to make out the result of this. <laughs> that's good. And <laughs> what you reckon? You've got, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I think it's going to be one nil to Watford. So yeah, one nil from that. Southampton will fall asleep. Yeah, two one to me. And that is it. That is our predictions. Anything else anybody would like to add? Uh, yeah, I uh, to uh, people listening. We've uh, also launched our website end to end dot online, where we'll be posting articles about the Premier League, about uh, some esports. We'll be discussing other sports as well. There, basketball, American football, with the NFL season coming back soon. Make yeah, I'm sure mainly going to be writing about check. Overwatch League if any of you guys are interested in that. So, my my uh, my power rankings for the first week of the Premier League, which will either be a weekly or uh, every two weeks, will be out on a Tuesday afternoon uh, or evening, um, which is probably around the time this podcast will be going out, depending. So, yeah, go have a look at that on the website and leave a comment if you think I'm being fair, if you think I'm no idea what I'm talking about. Any feedbacks appreciated. Absolutely lovely. Um, so that goes out to all our viewers, all two of you, which includes my mum as one of them. Um, so we're <laughs> going to wrap up the podcast there for this week. Um, thank you for listening to the Off the Woodwork podcast. If you've made it this far, then fair play to you. Um, as always, I have been Matt Perry. I've been joined by Stephen Hall, large at Brentford. And... <laughs> and Anthony Mild from the lovely sunny Glasgow. Not sunny right now. <laughs> no, it looks absolutely abysmal. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take care.